Here we go. So as I was telling the kids just a few minutes ago, I want to talk about salt this morning. Our gospel lesson this morning, Matthew talks about salt. Plain old ordinary table salt. Sodium chloride, like we use in cooking or cleaning. It's kind of a strange dialogue if we take it out of context. And Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Reminds me of a story when I was growing up in Germany, my mom would take us grocery shopping. And it wasn't the same experience that we had with our kids where we would get in the car and go to HEB and we'd go inside and walk up and down the aisles with the basket, getting all the things that we needed for the week. And then we'd roll the basket to the checkout counter and we'd load them back in the car and... Uh, drive them home and unload them into the pantry and the refrigerator. You know the drill. It gets to be rather routine. I don't know how often you do grocery shopping, but in, when we had kids in the house, it was every week without fail. But when I was a child in, in Germany, mom would get her little grocery buggy. I don't know if you've seen these things. But they resembled somewhat a, a rolling carry-on like you might take on an airplane. Um, a frame with two wheels and it had this canvas bag attached with a flap on the top and you could open it and put things down into it. And that was what we used to go grocery shopping. And it wasn't like going to a supermarket, but you'd go to the corner grocer and we'd get a few things there. And it was always my sister and I and mom and the buggy. My brother was away in boarding school. And so it was just the three of us. And we'd walk down to the corner grocers. And then from there, we'd go to the Metzgerai, which was the butcher shop. And then from the butcher shop, after we got meat and fish and what have you, then we'd go from there to the Baccarai, which was the bakery. And that was always my favorite stop every week. I always liked going to the Baccarat because the window to the shop always had these fresh baked breads and pastries on racks from top to bottom. And when you'd walk inside, the, the smell, the aroma was just amazing. Fresh baked pastry and bread. And then at the back of the shop where you'd go to put your order in, there's a big long glass case. And inside the case were pastries and cakes, always richly decorated. It, it reminded me of a toy store, only with food. And so one day we went into the bakery and we walked to the back and inside the glass counter was this amazing chocolate cake with chocolate icing and these strawberries all over the top of it. They were kind of arranged in a spiral pattern and and they weren't just ordinary strawberries, they were, they were glazed, so they were shiny. It looked absolutely spectacular, and as I'm standing there next to my mom at the counter, I'm tugging on her skirt, and I'm saying, get that, 
Of course, in typical fashion, because I was always tugging at my mom's skirt for something or other, she ignored me, but I was persistent. And when I finally got her attention, I said, get some of that. And she looked at me and she said, you don't want that. I said, woman, have you lost your mind? I'm a kid. It's chocolate cake, chocolate icing, and big shiny strawberries. Of course I want that. And so I was persistent, and so she relented, partly because my sister was also on the other side of her, tugging at the other side of her skirt, and she finally gave in, and she looked at the, the baker and said, Nur ein Stück bitte, which meant, just one piece, please. And I watched with big eyes as the baker cut a slice that had to be the size of my head, and he wrapped it up for us to take home, and all the way home I could hardly stand it. This was going to be a great day, cake in the morning for breakfast. And so we got home and mom put the groceries away, and I think she did it a little slower than usual, <laughs> just to torment us. And she finally went to the refrigerator and poured two glasses of milk, one for me and one for my sister. And she divided the piece of cake. Even divided, it was huge. I was thinking, Mom is being extraordinarily generous. And so the two of us dug in, putting a big fork of the cake in our mouths, chocolate cake and chocolate icing, a little slice of strawberry, and then complete and utter disappointment. My sister, Jolynn, immediately spit the cake back out onto the plate and tried to wipe her tongue off with a napkin. And I just sat there at the table, continuing to chew, hoping to find some flavor somewhere, but it never happened. It was like wallpaper paste in my mouth, and I continued to try to fly, find flavor, but it just wasn't there. And my mom had been watching us the whole time with this smug look on her face, a little smile of satisfaction as she watched us in horror with this utterly flavorless and tragically disappointing culinary experience happening before her. And she said, I told you that you didn't want that. Then she explained, she said, you're used to chocolate cake the way that I make it. I make my sweet things with a little bit of salt. They don't make it that way here. They don't use salt. Salt makes sweet things taste good. Salt adds flavor to everything. It makes good things even better. So I had no idea that that trip to the bakery that morning was going to be a life lesson for me. And I sure didn't have any idea that it was going to be a sermon illustration. But there's a spiritual principle that Jesus teaches us. If we take a few moments and look at the bigger picture in this scripture in Matthew, if we back up a little bit from verse 13, we find that Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount. And in those opening verses, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. He gives us some principles 
of the character of those who are blessed in the kingdom of God. And so those principles, if we live into them, are a picture of what it is to be Christ-like in the world. So starting at verse 1 in chapter 5, with the Beatitudes, it says, When Jesus saw His ministry drawing huge crowds, He climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to Him, the committed, climbed with Him. And arriving at a quiet place, He sat down and taught His climbing companions. And this is what He said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owner of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight, that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out, or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for even though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. So after Jesus tells His disciples and and us, by extension, the characteristics of those who are blessed, He then does something truly wonderful for us. He says to us, those blessed people, those people who have all those great qualities in character, that's you as a believer In me. He says, You are exalted representatives of everything that is good in humankind made possible through me. You are the salt of the earth, he says. You are the thing that adds flavor to the world. When you live out these qualities and possess these characteristics in the Beatitudes, you are the flavor of the world. And he also says, if you decide not to live out these beatitudes, these principles, then you become flat, 
tasteless, something nice to look at maybe, but sadly lacking in satisfaction and substance. Like a really pretty chocolate cake with beautiful glazed strawberries on top, but no salt to bring out the flavor. So after he explains these qualities in the Beatitudes, he, he does something else remarkable. How many of us have often wondered, really all people everywhere, how many have often wondered, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Well, in Matthew 5, verse 13, he tells us exactly why we're here. Let me tell you why you're here, he says. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. See, salty people are blessed people. Salty people bless other people. Jesus is asking us, He's imploring us, Now he's commanding us, be salty people. Now, if that example weren't enough, Jesus really wants us to understand this concept. So he goes a little bit further and he says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept, he says. We're going to go public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Jesus is telling us that we are called, especially in these dark times. We are called to be light in the world. We're called in these times where our ability to taste godliness has been dulled by sin and depravity, where things look pretty and attractive on the outside, where when we like how something looks, We take a big bite out of it, hoping that it will satisfy our desires, hoping that it will fill the voids, the emptiness, the places that are lacking in our lives. When we take a big bite out of those things, we find that it's just so much wallpaper paste in our mouths. There's no flavor. There's no satisfaction. There's no substance. In times like these, we, the people of God, the believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to be the salt flavoring in the world. And so you and I are called to be salt and light. We're called to be shining, flavor-enhancing proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. (coughs) 
So we need to go be salty lights this week. Be a salt flavoring to someone's life this week. Shine some light into the darkness of someone's life this week. This is what we're called to do as the church. Be salt and be light. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So now we're going to sing this.